Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Well, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 10. I want you to open your hearts to hear the words of Jesus today. I think these words speak specifically to the culture we're living in today. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him or her before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think I have come to bring peace on this earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own family, his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who will not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life in this day and age, in this culture, is going to lose it someday. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Father, I pray you would touch your vessel today. Help me to deliver this word exactly the way you put it in my heart. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said today, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, team. When I was in high school, I attended the Scottsdale Christian Academy Mighty Eagles. Uh, I had 40 kids in my high school graduating class, very small school. And it was a school full of inept boys, athletically speaking, so we needed a quarterback. They asked me to play quarterback on the football team. We played eight-man football, and we were the laughing stock of our division. We play, played C in the C class. And uh, the teams in our, in our class knew that we were a terrible football team, so they all scheduled us to play them on their homecoming. They knew it would be a sure win. It was no fun going into their home territory every week, playing on their homecoming. They hit harder. They booed louder. It was just no fun being the visiting team. As we look at our nation today, it's clear that Christians have lost the home field advantage. There was a day in our nation where Christians were the home team. We were supported. We were supported in schools. We were supported in the government. We were supported in the culture at large. And even if they didn't agree with us, they still respected us enough to allow our voices to be heard. But today we are no longer the home team, which means if you are a Christian, and you are a confessing Christian of Jesus Christ, the crowd is not only not supporting you, they're actually booing you. And the more committed you are as a Christian, the more they're going to boo you. Now, there's no place to run. There's no place to hide. There is a time we could hide behind our religion. We could hide in our churches. 
But today they are coming after all of us because the truths that we hold to, the timeless, timeless truths of God have been rejected all across the board. In the media, in education, in politics, in sporting events, in entertainment, it's become crystal clear that whatever remnants of a Christian nation we once had no longer exists. And in many cases, the one institution that God raised up to hold the line of truth, the church, has also crumbled. To follow Jesus Christ today is much more than going to an ice cream social church. The Christian faith is under attack, unless you're so vague that nobody knows where you stand. So today, I want to call upon you, me, Awaken Church, Dream City Church, our church, to be unapologetic, unashamed Christians. Because that's what we need. That's what's needed in America today, and it's the only thing that will make this nation truly great. Jesus said these words in verse 32. Whoever confesses me before their peers... I will also confess them before my Father. If you deny me, Jesus says, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. So he brings up this whole issue of confession. If you confess me, I'll confess you. If you deny me, I will deny you. Now he was making this statement to his disciples. He's not talking about confession and denial to non-Christians. He's talking to his followers. To confess, what does that mean? It means to publicly identify with. It's the verbal, visual identification saying to the world around you, I'm on team Jesus. I'm unashamed to be on team Jesus. To identify with Jesus. Now, we all know how to identify. Seems like everyone these days is identifying. When political season rolls around, people will identify as a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. They're saying, I'm for him, I'm for her, or I'm for them. Some will make their confessions even clearer by putting up signs in their yards or bumper stickers on their car because they want to be verbose in their affirmation, their confession about one candidate or party while denying the other. And they do it unashamedly. They do it unapologetically. Paul the Apostle says to his young protege, Timothy, he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. He says, young Timothy, do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid to identify with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed. Seems like nobody is ashamed these days. We live in a day of no shame. <laughs> we see things on TV we never thought we'd see. We hear language used we never thought we'd hear. We see people marching in parades today that we never thought we'd see because there is no shame. And I don't see anyone out there apologizing. Do you? What they're saying basically is adjust because this is the way things are now. Jesus says, I want you to be unashamed. I want you to be unapologetic. I want you to confess me before men in the same way that a married person wears a wedding ring to give visual identification of your relationship. He says, don't take off your Christian ring when you go to school. Don't take off your Christian ring when you go into culture. 
Don't take off your Christian ring when you go work out at the club. I want you to be unashamed. I want you to confess me. I want you to do it without apology. Now look this way. Here's the big question today. Why won't certain Christians do that? Why won't certain Christians confess the name of Jesus in our culture? Well, some are like the people talking, talked about in John chapter 12. This is what it says. Many even of the rulers believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Jesus says, don't let your fear of people outpace your fear of God. It says they believed in him, but they wouldn't confess him. Why? Because they were afraid of being rejected by people. They were afraid of losing their popularity. They're afraid of losing a few followers on Instagram. So they chose to be secret agent Christians. Oh man, today we live in a world of political Christians. Those who wrap their Christianity in the flag rather than the cross of Jesus Christ. We live in a day of cultural Christians. Those who, who wrap their Christianity in the subject of race rather than the primacy of Jesus Christ. We live in a day of convenient Christians. Those who want to use God for a blessing while they're in church, while not representing him in culture, unless they're in church. But Jesus says, unless you confess me before men, notice you must confess him, not his father, not God the father. In other words, just saying God's not going to cut it. That's called vague Christianity. Because Jesus Christ has been assigned by the Trinity to represent the Godhead on this earth in history, in time and space. So I just want to be clear about this. You become a Christian by faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from your works. Can you say amen to that? But once you become a Christian, it's a new ball game. Now you've entered into the realm of discipleship. And Jesus said about disciples of his in Matthew chapter 10, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher. If they called me, Jesus said, the head of the household, Beelzebub, he said they called me the devil. How much more will they malign the members of his household? Jesus said, look, the whole idea of being a Christian is to be like me. That's attitudes and actions, character and conduct, which means we are to reflect what Jesus says to our culture. We are to reflect how Jesus thinks and how he feels. Jesus sets the standard of truth, and we are to emulate the standard to the culture around us. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So, with that in mind, on your job, in your neighborhood, among your peers? If you were accused of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you be found innocent of all charges? Are you an unapologetic, unashamed, confessing follower of Jesus Christ? Not privately, not privately, because Jesus says you must do it before men and women. Now, when it comes to confessing Jesus or maybe not confessing Jesus, there's an underlying issue that many Christians have yet to come to grips with. And it's this whole issue called the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 10. This is what he says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus says what? Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, listen carefully, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. So guess what? He's talking about you and I opening up our mouths. He says when you believe with your heart, you're made righteous. That means you get saved. But when you open up your mouth and you publicly identify with Jesus, that's where you get deliverance. You see the difference? In other words, God, through Jesus, will only join you in history, in your life, if you are not ashamed of him. If you're not apologizing for him, if you don't hide behind the word God because this polarizing figure named Jesus Christ made some statements like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to God except through him. Is he Lord of your life, of your whole life? You know, when a person joins the army, they get in there for free. Costs nothing to join the army. But once you're, once you're in the army, it's a totally different way of operating because you're not a civilian anymore. First of all, you're easily identifiable based on the branch of service you, you're in. People can look at your attire and see, well, they're in the army, they're in the navy, they're in the air force, they're the Marine, in the marines, because you have publicly displayed who you really are. Secondly, they also have rights over your life. They can tell you where to go and what to do. You have to do it. They're Lord over your life. They can say you're going to Germany for a couple of years. You've got to go. They say you've you got to go to South Korea for a few years. You have to go, okay? Because now they're Lord over your experience and your existence. Now, you got in there for free, but once you get in there, they become Lord. And anyone who does not allow the military to become their Lord, they're AWOL which means they're no longer cooperating with the program. God has a lot of Christians who are on their way to heaven, but they fail to put on the uniform. And this nation's not going to be turned back to God until some Christians stand up and say, I'm going to put on the uniform. I'm going to put on the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. So let's talk about what that actually means. Uh, a little boy was uh, in Africa, part of a village, and he was being attacked by a lion one day. Well, the, the missionary was nearby. He saw this attack take place, and he had a gun. And he ran out, ran out and he saved this little boy from the attack of this lion. A few weeks later, this little boy shows up at the missionary's home with a bag full of all of his possessions, knocks on the door, and says, Mr. Missionary, I'm moving in with you. The missionary says, well, what are you talking about? Why are you moving in with me? And the little boy says, Mr., it's the law of the jungle. When someone saves your life, you're no longer your own. You belong to them. So I got all my possessions here, and I'm moving in with you because now I'm yours, because I would have no life if it were not for you. I want to remind all of us who call ourselves Christian today of the law of the kingdom. We wouldn't be in the kingdom today. We wouldn't have the power of God operating in our life. We wouldn't have the, the promise of, of heaven one day if it weren't for one person. His name is Jesus. It's the law of the kingdom, and we can't confess him. We can't confess him in our culture. 
Lovingly, yes. Kindly, yes. But clearly, boldly, and without apology. Luke says it this way in Acts 10. He is Lord over all. Paul said in Ephesians 1, all things have been placed under Christ. Paul says in Romans 14 and verse 8, for if we live, we live for the Lord. Come on, somebody. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we, we are the Lord's. And the very next verse talks about the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ. So look, one day when you and I stand before God in the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to ask us one question. Was I Lord? Was I Lord? You're only up here because I was your Savior, but what I want to know is while I left you on the earth, was I Lord? That is, did I own you? Did I own your thoughts, your ideas, your perspective, your resources, your priorities? Was I Lord? Was I Lord? A soldier in the army asked his commanding officer one day for permission to leave the base and go to a wedding. His commanding officer said, sure, you can go to the wedding, but you must be back on the base by 10 p.m. Well, the, the soldier said, but the wedding doesn't start until 8 o'clock. And the commanding officer said, I, I heard you, but you must be back on the base by 10 p.m. Well, the soldier said, but I'm in the, I'm in the wedding. And the commander said, no, you're in the army. I know this culture's pulling you this way. I know the culture's pulling you that way. And we can come up with all these excuses for, for why we're not taking our stand and confessing Jesus Christ. But I'm in a secular job. You don't understand. But I'm in a secular college. I'm in professional sports. I'm in professional entertainment. No, Jesus says, you are in the kingdom of God, and you belong to me now. Yes, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. I don't expect you to be a hermit, move to a monastery somewhere, but I do expect for you to use your time, talents, and treasures in this world under my authority and with full confession of me. That's his expectation. The lordship of Jesus Christ is over all of our lives. We are not of this world anymore. We are now under new management. So friends, we cannot allow our sympathy to adjust God's standard. We cannot allow our political allegiances to adjust God's standards. Our ultimate allegiance is not to a, to a party or to a system or to a person. Our ultimate allegiance is to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's it. Why? Why is that? Let's think about it. Paul says it like this in Philippians 2. At the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we can do that right now, voluntarily, or do it one day, mandatorily. But every knee is going to bow because he is Lord over all. Thomas put it like this when he saw Jesus. He said, my Lord, my God. This is the recognition that Jesus isn't just some nice personality in history to be respected. It's the acknowledgement that he is a son of the living God that ought to be worshipped as God because he's Lord over all. So, final question here today for all of us to ask ourselves. 
How, how do you know if you've made the lordship decision? How do you really know that? Because anybody can say, well, yeah, he's Lord of my life. So how do you know? Well, Jesus clearly told us how we can know if he really is the Lord over all of our lives. This is what he said in Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In other words, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, but then do the opposite of what I say? I say this about the identity of a man, you're saying something else. I say this about the identity of a woman, you're saying something else. I say this about the definition of a marriage, you're saying something else. I say this about the sanctity of life and protecting children in the womb, but you're saying something else. I keep saying what I'm saying, but you keep saying something else. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? If I'm Lord, it means you're adjusting. Not me. <laughs> hey, look. I'm just the messenger today. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. We live in a world today where Christians are asking God to adjust so we can placate the folks in our society. Yes, we are to be sensitive, and yes, we are to be kind, and yes, we should be wise in the way we do things. To not do those things is also to not do what Jesus said. But we don't do that by jettisoning the truth in order to placate a society that's already rejected our Savior. We all need to understand this very simple principle that Jesus pointed out in John chapter 2. Some of us are wondering, why do I feel disconnected from God? Why Am I not seeing my prayers answered? Well, maybe this will help. John 2, verse 23. Now, when, when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover, Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name. So back then, if you believed in Jesus, if, if you acknowledged he was God, you were saved. You believed in your heart. There was no sinner's prayer like we pray today. Okay? They believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them for he knew what was in their heart. Did you catch that? He's talking about people who believed in him. They were saved. But he would not commit himself to them because he knew what was in them. Let me put it this way. Jesus does not have the same commitment equally to every Christian. Now, he loves us all equally, but he's not committed to every child equally because if you are ashamed of him, if you are denying him, there's a disconnect in the relationship. It's like in a marriage. You can be legally married together, have a marriage certificate, living in the same home, but be disconnected. And you can be legally in relationship to God through Jesus Christ and his son's sacrifice on the cross, but be disconnected to God. Back to Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And then down in verse 13, this is what it says. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now that little phrase, call on the name of the Lord, what many Christians understand is the only time that verse, that, that line, call on the name of the Lord, is used in the New Testament is by Christians. 
1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church in Corinth, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord. They've made the lordship decision. Acts chapter 7, verse 59. They went on stoning Stephen to death as he called upon the name of the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen was confessing Jesus Christ all the way to his death. And when he called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says Jesus stood to his feet, gave him a standing ovation as he was ushered into heaven with God. In other words, if you can't confess, you can't call. If you can't confess God, don't bother praying because he has no obligation to folks who deny him. He's our great intercessor. So he takes our prayers to the throne of God and he says, don't answer that prayer, Heavenly Father. Don't answer because they're just going to deny you on the earth. Or he says, answer that one because they're going to confess your name on this earth. Are you, are you with me? Okay. Some of you look a little shell-shocked today. I'm so glad I didn't write this. Jesus wrote these words. I'm just a communicator. Now look, we heard the amazing youth pastor a moment ago, where's he at? Talk about the, bless the blessings of God. Aren't the blessings of God amazing? How many of you have experienced the blessings of God in your life? I love the blessings of God. It's a part of our doctrine. Never apologize for being blessed. Enjoy the blessings of God. Be generous with it. But you also need to know the rest of the story. Because there's also a sword side. There's a blessing side, but also the sword side. Okay? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10. Do not think that I came to bring peace on this earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's easy to do. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And the one who does not take up his or her cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So he's, he's talked about the blessings of God. But now he's talking about the sword of confession. So let's talk about this. Once you are willing to confess Jesus in our culture, lovingly and yet boldly, it's going to create a divide. You just need to know that. And it will create even a greater divide in 2022 because we now have the public universal denial of Jesus Christ in this nation. And he says, it, Jesus says, it's even going to happen in your family when you confess me. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, father against son, brother against sister, etc. Because when you are clear about your confession, Jesus says, those who reject me are also going to reject you. It'll happen at work. It'll happen in your neighborhood, among your friends. It'll even happen in the pulpit. To take your stand on God's word, to take your stand on Jesus Christ and his perspective on the issues of our day is going to create a conflict. So Jesus isn't just talking noise here. He says, listen, I'm telling you up front, standing for me is going to create a conflict. Not because you're trying to be confrontational, it's just that what you are confessing, the world is denying. And that's going to be an issue. But then he gives this great promise, and I love it. Verse 39. He who has found his life in this present world is going to lose it. 
And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says, when you publicly identify with me, you just lost with them, but you won with me. And that's the one you really want to win with. As I begin to land this airplane here today, now look, friends, especially young people, unless you really believe that, unless you really believe that when you stand for Jesus Christ, that, that what you lose in this fickle, temporary, ever-changing culture, you find in the eternal life and presence of Jesus Christ, you'll always be more concerned about losing them than losing him. Jesus said it even stronger in Luke 14. He says, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father or mother or wife or children or brothers or sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my example. He's not talking about going to heaven here. He's talking about being his disciple on this earth. And what he's saying there is not that you should hate your family. He's saying that anyone who trumps me, you lose me. I don't care how much you love him, he says. A wife's first commitment is not to her husband, it's to her Christ. A husband's first commitment is not to his wife, it's to his Christ. Parents' first commitment is not to their children, it's to their Christ. And Jesus says, if you don't do that, you can't have me. You can't be my disciple. And we have a lot of Christians today who are not disciples of Jesus because Jesus keeps losing. Everybody else keeps winning. He goes on in verse 28 to talk about a man building a, a tower, a man building a house, and how he must count the cost. Otherwise, he'll be laughed at by his peers when he runs out of money. He talks about a king going into a battle, and he has to count the troops ahead of time to make sure he has enough truth to see, troops to see the whole thing through. In other words, you consider the cost when you're following Jesus, just like you consider the cost when you're building a house or going to war. And the question you're asking yourself is this question, can I really finish this? Can I finish what I started? Can I be a strong disciple of Jesus Christ, an unapologetic, unashamed follower of Jesus in this culture? Can I finish what I started? Have you counted the cost? Over the past two years, friends, I've seen countless and countless Christians across America and even some pastors who are bailing on Jesus Christ and his truths. And the reason why they are bailing is because they have not counted the cost. They know all about the blessing side of the gospel, and God is a blesser. I'm so grateful for his blessing, but they don't know about the sword side. Look, there is a time for the blessings of God, and we've all experienced that, but there's also a time to pick up the sword. There's a time for sword season. There's a time for standing up for what's right season. There's a time for confessing Jesus season. There's a time for drawing a line in the sand season. And sometimes... Thank you. Sometimes that even may involve some loss along the way. Jesus concludes with these words, and the team can come and join us if you would. Therefore, salt is good, but if even the salt has become tasteless, and we are called the salt of the earth, Christians, then with what will it be seasoned? It's useless either for the soil or the manure pile. That's pretty useless salt. So it's thrown out. The one who has ears to hear today, I hope you all have ears, 
let him hear. He talks about salt. That's no longer salty. It's lost its seasoning power. That's some worthless salt. Jesus basically saying, I got some useless Christians in America today. They, they go to church, but when push comes to shove, they don't confess me. They deny me. They get so compromised by this culture and they live their lives to make mere men and women happy. And they do it at my expense. And I can't use them because they just won't represent me. They're useless to me, even for the manure pile. I can't even use them for dung, he says. That's how bad it's become. So the question for you and me and us today is this. Are you ready to confess Jesus? And I'm not talking about your belief in God. I'm talking about are you ready to confess the name of Jesus? We sang a song about that a while ago. I just want to tell you about the name of Jesus. Will you confess the name of Jesus? I, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of young people as I'm preaching this message today. And man, your wheels are turning right now. If I could, re, if I could put all your thoughts on the screen right now, we have an amazing movie to watch here. Because you're thinking about what this means for you. You're counting the cost about what this means in your culture. I know it's scary. It's like a roller coaster. I love roller coasters. The bigger, the badder, the scarier, the more I love it. Roller coasters are meant to be scary. It's the nature of the ride. But they're also made to give you the thrill of a lifetime. So it's scary, like in a message today, when you're going up that first ramp. It's real slow, right? And you get to the very top, and you look over the edge like, dear God, stop the ride right now. And when that thing starts going down, that first big drop, your stomach falls out of your, you, you just, you, you, only the laundry man knows how scared you were in that moment. It's a bad, bad deal, right? But then when you get done with the ride, what do you do? You say, I want to ride it again and again and again and again, because there's a thrill on the other side of that fear. That's what it's like following Jesus Christ. You may be scared today of being a confessing, unashamed, unapologetic disciple of Jesus. All oh, but friends, once you get on the ride and you experience the thrill of following Jesus Christ, there's nothing like it in this world. And you find the life that you thought you'd lose. And it's the life you've been looking for your whole life. So it's time to cast your vote. Are you willing to be a confessing, unapologetic, unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. Now look, I'm not saying all this as though I'm perfect. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. Christians aren't perfect. That, that's why God's given us the gift of repentance. So we can realign ourselves like on a day like today and say for this next leg of the race, I choose today to be a confessing, unapologetic, disciple of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Is that your prayer today? Let's all stand for a closing prayer. Here's how we're going to end. I'm going to give you the opportunity today to confess the name of Jesus. And not just confess it so it bounces off these walls, but to make it your declaration today. When I leave this place, something has shifted in my spirit. I am going to be an unapologetic, confessing follower of Jesus Christ. There's an old song we'd sing when I was a kid called, I have decided to follow Jesus. 
We're gonna, we're gonna quote these words together in one full voice, and I want you to make it sound like thunder in this place. This is our rallying cry. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can just say these words in your heart, and you're gonna be saved right where you stand today because you're confessing the name of Jesus. So all together in one full voice on the count of three, let's go. One, two, three. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Lots of passion now. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. One more chance, here we go. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Come on, let's give the Lord a great applause. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.